Welcome to another edition of Making Money, along with the financial coach, retired portfolio manager, Ron Hebert. I'm Gord Whitehead. We mentioned last week, Ron, we want to talk about investing in India. And I think if you, as you pointed out, if you got a group of people together and said, where would you rather invest? Would you rather invest in China or in India? Given the fact that China is such a, a big gorilla on the world market stage, you'd probably default to China. But you want to take a look at India as an opportunity. Yes, because, uh, frankly, there's a lot of things that people don't understand. And just well, let's start with the numbers. $10,000, if you put that in U.S. equities in 1992, would be worth $92,000 today. So U.S. market, one of the best performing markets in the world, has done very, very well. If you'd invested $10,000 in China in 1992, it would be worth $6,000 today. You took Markets a haircut. Have, oh, yeah. you, took, you took a massive haircut. And frankly, I've often talked about China as being like a, a bag filled with water with a thousand holes in it. And it, the, the water drains out everywhere and there's none left for shareholders. Now, if you took that same $10,000 invested in 1992 and held it for literally 30 years, um, today it would be worth $82,000. So of the large emerging markets, India is really the only one that has kept pace with uh, U.S. securities over the last three decades. And with recent structural reforms well underway, India's growth rate is expected to double China's over the next decade. So I think there's an opportunity here that, frankly, you're not seeing with China because under Xi Jinping, you've got a person who now looks like they're going to be the leader of China forever, for the rest of their, li- their, their lives. And this leader is very, you can just look at the, the legislation he's come out with in the last year, not necessarily for investments, shareholders making money, not a shareholder-friendly guy. And so, you know, China is really suffering, especially some of their big, world-class companies are suffering because uh, their leadership is not doing a whole lot to support them. Whereas India, you know, we all know India's problems. They have high population, high birth rate, lack of infrastructure, a caste system, racism, poverty, corruption, I can go on and on. But there's also a lot of very positive things that are going to take place that have started and uh, I think will play out over the next decade, which there's many, many reasons why I think that India could be a much better place to invest than China. I, I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, Ron, I, over the last couple of years, anything I've read about India, I mean, they, they're very technologically advanced. They've got a lot of people that do a lot of work in software and things like that. They're also big in pharmaceuticals. Those are the two that come immediately to mind. Are those correct? Yes, uh, certainly the, the technology. India is developing some of the best universities for physics and math and science in the world. And so you're, you're seeing a, a, a population. Well, you know, I mean, when you've got 1.4 billion people and India's population has just surpassed China's, you have a lot of people on the low end. And that's what most of the media looks at when you you uh, think of a picture of India, you usually see the Taj Mahal or you see the streets of Delhi that are just, you know... The, Grinding the abject every- poverty, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But India has a booming middle class of 300 million people, and that's literally 
uh, the size of the U.S., and it's eight times larger than the entire population. And India is on track to be the fastest-growing major economy in the world over the next decade with an annualized growth rate that looks like it's going to be double that of China's. You know, And the key here is India has a population with a median age of 29. So there's this whole population that's moving into the, the workforce, and of course, they, they form families, they buy homes, they buy furniture, and there's lots of room for growth. Where you look at the other uh, big economies like Japan and China and Europe, and they're seeing literally their population shrink, which will have a negative effect on their future growth of their economy. Uh, people forget also that India is a democracy and has free markets that have the British judicial system so businesses can protect themselves. You know, it reminds me of a classic story, Gord, of uh, a, a friend of mine whose father died in one of the major cities in China and left a pretty big uh, property estate. So she flew over there with her family. And in the will, it said that uh, she would inherit it and it would be split among the family. Well, when she got over there and hired a lawyer, uh, they went and found that the local officials who were part of the uh, Chinese military had taken that property. And so she went and got the toughest lawyer she could find and she went and sat down with them and... uh, tried to negotiate with them that she wanted her property back or they'd take it to court. And they just flat out told her, you can take it to court, but the courts are not going to rule in your favor, and we suggest you leave. And they made some overt threats, so she ended up leaving. You know, whereas at least in India, with all the problems they have, um, they have the British judicial system, so you can protect your patents, you can protect your land if you own it. Very different than, than in China. Also, India has the world's fifth largest economy, the fourth largest stock market. And you've got to think, and I don't know what you think, Gord, but India's got to be a natural choice for companies looking to relocate from Russia or China. Don't you think so? Well, as you say, with all the well, all the issues in China, yeah, if, you, if you're going to pull up stakes and go somewhere else, why don't you go to a place that the economy seems to be on the upswing? And with all the issues in Russia, which we could sit here and you know go on about for quite some time, yeah, it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, and China, of course, we're, we're, we're involved in a trade war with these guys, and, and they've been uh, accused of stealing our secrets, which, uh, you know, uh, I certainly think that, that those problems aren't going to go away. So if you want to relocate some of your uh, supply chain to someone who's, not, who's more neutral or more friendly to you, well, I think India is sort of a natural choice because they've got smart people, and they also have a low-cost workforce that you can still produce things at reasonable price. And I guess finally, India is finally joining the modern era financially. Over 300 million people have been able to open bank accounts over the last few years, and before that, that was impossible because a lot of people, frankly, uh, they couldn't write. They signed with an X, but if you sign with an X and everybody else does, uh you know, you, you can't to tell differentiate it. who's who, right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. So uh, they are using chip technology and uh, reader technology with fingerprints and eyes and things like that. So they're able to differentiate people. So people that couldn't read in the past are now able to open bank accounts. 
and the financial institutions are being able to recognize them. So that's a huge step forward when all of a sudden people are able to uh, conduct commerce and have a place to put their money. All right, so let's talk about strategy, Ron. And as I sit here in my little studio and we we chat in this conversation, I think to myself, would I be equipped to throw some money into a market that's on the other side of the world, which I only know a little wee bit about? What's the best strategy here? Well, I I think that's a good point because literally it's a foreign culture. It's halfway around the world. And uh, most of us, you know, I've been to India a couple times and I'm, it's still a very foreign culture to me. And um, so, you know, rather than owning individual stocks, I think most people are better off owning an ETF, an exchange-traded fund, or have an active manager, a mutual fund with exposure to that country. And because of the volatility inherent in this emerging market, you know, investors are better off staggering their purchases or dollar-cost averaging. So instead of just putting all your money in once, you know, maybe make three purchases over nine months or a year so that uh, you can you can catch some of the volatility in that market. As far as examples, uh, two examples. One is the iShares India Fund. It's INDY. It invests in the top 50 stocks. And this is for the investor looking for the highest quality names in that country. Another one that is uh, almost exclusively in very high quality um, stocks is Wisdom Tree has got an India earnings fund which focuses on earnings uh, rather than just the, the size of the company to determine holdings. So they've got a little bit different uh, spin on what they consider quality, but the fund, uh, the symbol is EPI. It trades in the U.S. as well. So there, are, there's two ways among lots of ways to play India. But I would recommend as you say, Gord, because it's such a foreign culture and so far away that you buy a basket of securities rather than trying to focus on one or two. You know, I think, Ron, too, like if you if you take a look around at, at consumer products, a lot of clothing that you come across perhaps was made in India. Uh, yes. And I think like after I left broadcasting, and you know this well, but it's not something I talk about a lot, I took some sommeliers trading and I got into the into the beer, spirits and wine trade. And I remember when we had an agent come in at, at the first time when they brought us Indian single malt whiskeys. And we all went, really? <laughs> and they, they told a great story in that some of the water that they use in this process comes right out of the Himalayas. And it's, it's very pure and it's, it's very well-made product. And it, it caught on really quickly. People took a shine to it, right? So they're doing a lot of things that maybe you're not aware of. Manufacturing, uh, they're becoming a big player in in auto manufacturing. That's Tata, in, right? Isn't it the name yeah, of the company? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tata Motors, for example, owns Jaguar, and uh, so you know owns uh, Land Rover as well. And they're expanding into other areas as well. They're building batteries. I mean, as you said at the beginning, they're they're huge in IT. They're a, a massive a player in pharmaceuticals. So they're, they're putting out a lot of higher tech stuff. So India is not the place that you, um, you see on these five-second snapshots on TV of the, the Taj Mahal and somebody in front of it with, the, uh, you know, uh, their, their tuk-tuk driving in, in the streets. There's a lot of technology now 
that is unrecognized by the market, but it, it's growing very quickly and becoming very competitive. So give it some thought. Sit down, do some reading, do some research, do your homework, as we always urge you to. But it's uh, that's what Ron's job is, to steer you to these directions that maybe you hadn't thought about before. So on behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, think about India, think about investing there. I'm Gord Whitehead. We're back next week with another edition of Making Money. We'll join you then. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.